0: Open up your Bibles to the book of Acts, uh, chapter 22 is where we're going to be at today, Acts chapter 22. Uh, we've been working our way through Acts uh, as a congregation um, for, man, probably the, the last year and a little bit into uh, this year as well. And then we pause for Easter, and, um, and uh, here's kind of where we're going, okay? So um, we're going to do Acts, and then we're going to finish that up. In the summer, we're going to have summer in the Psalms, so we're going to spend about four weeks in the book of Psalms and talk a little bit about Psalms, and then uh, we're going to talk after that about the Sermon on the Mount, which is uh, the Jesus' sermon in the New Testament. And Acts is, uh, in the New Testament it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are what are called the Gospels. They are stories or accounts of Jesus, and uh, they're all about his life and what his life was all about, and then Um, The book of Luke actually continues with the book of Acts. So it talks about what um, the disciple of Jesus looks like. If somebody has believed in Jesus as the Messiah or the Savior, what does it look like to follow Jesus? And so as we were talking through the book of Acts, what we realized is this is what uh, a follower of Christ looks like. And so it doesn't matter if you've been here for the past 20-odd weeks or whatever— Um, we can kind of run you up to speed of what's transpiring in Acts chapter 22. There is a man, his name is Paul, it used to be Saul, and he persecuted the church, or people that believed Jesus Christ died and rose again for their sins. So we have um, a persecutor who comes, finds Jesus on this road to Damascus, gets radically transformed because that's what happens when you encounter a risen Christ. You radically get transformed, and he moves over now to populating the church and trying to get people to participate as well. And what happens is there's a lot of people who are angry and upset with this Paul guy because he was one who persecuted the church, and now he's trying to populate it. And he did something in Acts chapter 21, which I, th- I think is interesting. He goes and he finds one of his fellow brothers and he realizes that he is struggling, because Paul is a Jewish man by birth, and he's struggling with kind of grasping this gospel thing, and he says, hey, you are participating in an Old Testament ritual. I'm going to participate in that ritual with you, and then hopefully what will happen is, you will come to see the Jesus that I know. And so they go through this Old Testament ritual. They find themselves in the temple going through it, and all of a sudden, the people see that Paul is there, and they're passionate about persecuting Paul because he knows Jesus. And so what they say to Paul is, they're like, hey, let's get him. And so they essentially seize him. A riot breaks out, right? And as the riot breaks out, they grab Paul and they say, hey, you've been preaching everywhere to everybody about Jesus. And we think that's horrible. Plus, you've got an entourage of people behind you, some who are non-Jews, and you bring them into the temple where only Jews are allowed to be, right? Right? And Paul's like, first of all, everywhere to everyone, that's a little excessive, okay? That's kind of an exaggeration. And then also, just because I have an entourage with me doesn't mean that they can participate or not participate. They're not going into the places that you want them or think they have gone in. Everything's good. It's okay. And so this big riot breaks out, and all of a sudden, um, this group uh, of soldiers grab Paul, right? And they bring him back in, and they're like, hey, what are we going to do with this guy? And the leader says, let's throw him in jail and we'll try to figure out the situation. So in Acts chapter 21, Paul's thrown into jail and he finds himself kind of sitting in jail and he's wondering what's going on and transpiring and how this whole thing's going to work out. And uh, they look at him and they're like, okay, well, we sort this out. Let's just see what we're going to do. And Paul says, hey, is there any way that I could speak to the people? And the guards are like, sure, Judge Judy reruns are on anyway. It's the middle of the day. So... Why not? Let's see what happens, right? We want to see if this guy's going to get eaten alive. So they look at each other, and they're like, you sure? He's like, yeah, I mean, worst-case scenario, he dies, situation resolves itself, and we're good. So they're like, yeah, absolutely, go ahead. We dare you. We double-dog dare you to go out and talk to the people. And so in chapter 22, that's what he does. So chapter 22, verse 1, this is Paul speaking to the crowd who wants to kill him, all right? Verse 1. Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. Now, if you back up just one verse, Paul is going to address the people in their language, Hebrew language. We believe it's Aramaic. Some people say Aramaic. Some people say Hebrew. Not saying that there's mistakes in the Bible. It's just one of those things that where Paul's addressing them in their language. Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in Hebrew language, they became quiet. God works in amazing ways when we're respectful of the people who are in front of us. God works in some phenomenal ways when we address people in a way that they need to be addressed. See, Paul is stealing something from somebody else who he saw. If you go back to chapter 7, you don't have to go there. A the man named Stephen was persecuted to the point of death for his faith in Jesus Christ. He was what is called the first martyr, somebody who dies on the cross, or not not dies on the cross, well, hold on, Jordan. He dies for believing that Jesus died on the cross. Okay? And he was stoned. People picked up stones, and they threw them at him until he died to death. And the Bible tells us that Saul sat there on the sidelines and held the coats for the people who stoned Stephen. But what happened and transpired in Saul's life is, He heard Stephen's first words that he uh, bellowed to the people when he said, brothers and fathers. And he realized this man who was about to be persecuted was being polite. Who does that? And so we see a catalyst start to change in Saul's life when he hears Stephen addressing the people in Acts chapter 7 about the fact that brothers and fathers. And it rings all the way into his message here when he says, brothers and fathers. I meet so many people who are upset and depressed. I meet so many people who have problems and issues. I meet so many people who are going through so many things, and I think the reason we go through this is because we are chasing happiness over holiness. See, we have this innate desire inside of us to be happy, but happiness is fleeting, and as a believer, we only find joy, and that joy comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we really want to be holy, what we have to realize is, the first thing, is that life is all about people and leveraging our influence for those people to come to know Jesus as well. Paul is in a place where he has been bound. He has been imprisoned. He has trials and tribulations that are escalating far greater than he ever imagined. When he said that he was going to follow Jesus, he did not envision that Jesus would lead him to this point in his life. Becky, when she started following Jesus, didn't imagine that Jesus would be the person who would lead her to the place where she is plagued with cancer. Vicki and Matt didn't understand that when they said, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus, that it would lead us to this place in this sanctuary to have this event take place. It wasn't the plan, right? But God's plan for you is not your plan for you. And either you're chasing your own happiness or or you're bending to God's holiness, realizing that in all trials and tribulations, you can experience joy. And Paul passionately wants people to see that as well. And I think if Paul was here, I think he would look at us and he would say, listen, if you want to live a holy life, you need to leverage your influence for the people who are in your path. So who is in your path right now? Who are the people who you know who are in your path? And are you becoming like Jesus and showing them that even in the situations and circumstances that you find yourself in, Jesus is still worth it? He is still able. He can still do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or imagine, even when the storms of life feel like they're going over our head and we're drowning. He says, no, 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 brothers and fathers, I want you to see the Jesus that I know even though I find myself imprisoned and you pushing back and persecuting me. He continues. Number three, I am a Jew. I love this. He goes back to his heritage, right? I am a Jew, I was born in Tarsus in Syria. <clears throat> if you don't know something in the Bible, like how a word is pronounced, you say it fast and really uh, courageous. Now, whole, this whole week, I was just saying that over and over again. I was like, just keep going, okay? Brought up in the city, educated at the feet of Gamil according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers. Now, here's the crazy thing. P- Paul says, I'm one of you. I'm one of you. I'm from where you're from. I've been educated from the people who you think are great. And he says, listen, I was zealous for God as all of you are this day. Verse three, verse 4, I persecuted, if you would underline this way, he's talking about believers, to the point of death. Binding and delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear witness to me. Let's uh, unpack this a little bit, okay? Paul says, listen, I was the good kid in school. Now, it's amazing. There's so many people who are rescued from drugs, alcohol, things like that, right? Like, people get saved, come to know Jesus, um, habitual liars, all of these uh, huge sins in their life. But I think we fail to remember that people also get saved and come to know Jesus who did the right thing. There are people in this world who come to know a risen Christ who did all the right things? As a matter of fact, didn't just do all the right things, but did them with excellence. Were trained underneath of the people who they uh, not only esteemed, but other people esteemed. And Paul says here, he says, "Listen, I persecuted the way. I did everything that I was uh, that I thought was good, all the way to death, binding into delivering prison uh, both men and women, with the affirmation of the leadership." See, because if you go further in verse 5, it says, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear witness, who are probably there in front of Paul, affirmed what he did. From them, and he's really saying from you, I received letters to brothers and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those who were there and bring them in the bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. I did all the right things. Here's how this equates to our society today. You ready? But I'm a good person. But I'm a good person. As opposed to whose standard are you a good person? See, because Paul's saying, if I were to be standing next to any of you who are gathered here today, I'm a better person than all of you. I not only am a better person than all of you, I have the esteem of all the people who are here have leadership credentials, and they would say, I'm a better person than you are. But Paul's whole MO here is that he needs to please God more than he needs to please people. And that's the issue. All the people who are gathered there, Paul, I think, internally wants to make them happy. But he is not concerned about happiness. He's concerned about holiness. And sometimes to be holy, you have to go against the crowd even to the point of death. If they're going to kill me, so be it. i got to please God more than I have to please people. I hope that Vicky doesn't get mad at me for this, but I'm going to use it anyway um, because it's so good. Uh, Matt, bless your heart, brother man. You did a great job, okay? My friend Dustin uh, loved Jesus so, so much. Like, loved Jesus. And I know it was so hard for Vicky to let Matt baptize Kathan. Like, oh, man, like that would just kill me, right? Like she was married to this, this guy. He was great. Matt, you're great, okay? And we, we look at it and, and we go, and, and, and she's thinking, that's my boy, right? That's my kid. And, and she's like, I, I should do this. You know, Matt, Matt's new to the game, right? Like let's let him sideline for a second. He can watch and take notes, right? Like that's kind of where my mind would go. I mean, something happens to Bethany like hey, Game over, right? And she said and articulated to Jessica, our children's director, I thought this was so cool. She said, no, he's got to be the one to do it. He's the head of our house. I need to be submissive to him because we have to please God more than we have to please people. Right? Because us being holy more important than us being happy. And, and if, if, if Vicki were to stand up here, I think she would say, hey, I would have been happy for a moment, and I would have been okay with this in the moment, because if I did it, you know, like, I wouldn't have been so emotional and, and all this other stuff or whatever the case is. She's lying, Matt. <clears throat> <laughs> and she would have gone off and she'd been like, I, I was happy, but that would have only lasted for a moment because then she would have turned around and saw Matt. And she would have realized that to honor the Lord, she needs to honor her husband, right? And so take a step back. Paul is saying here, listen, i got to please... God more than I have to please people because His holiness is more important than my own happiness. Now, how does that equate for you, right? What does that look like for you and for your life? Well, for those of you in school, I mean, you have to think about it. Are you more concerned about the people in your hallways than you are the Savior who died on the cross for your sins? For those of you who are in college or or careers, or you're kind of moving your way up, you know you could kind of think about it. You get that job, and you get that opportunity where somebody's going to give you, you know, this 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 uh, this advantage, and they're going to say, "Hey, here's a whole lot of money," but maybe serving Jesus doesn't have a whole lot of money attached to it. You you might go into your marriage, you know, you're going to go home, and you got to finish that fight you had in the parking lot. Amen. And you're just thinking, Pastor Jordan, just keep going, man. Like, the longer you preach, the longer we can put off the conversation that we're about to have of what happened this morning. I've been there, right? It's Bethany's words to me. What happened this morning? 300 people need me, right? You got to go and you got to put that person in front of yourself and their needs. And you have to say, listen, I got to do what God wants me to do, not what I want to do. Paul says, listen, I need to please God more than I need to please man. Maybe for some of you, you're, you're struggling with decision-making for family members who are older. And you wonder, what does God desire? What does He want? Paul says, listen, I, I need to please God more than I need to please people because I'm different. I'm not the person who I once was. Look at verse 6. He starts to talk about his conversion, and I love this. He says, as I was on my way and draw near to Damascus... Remember, these people credentialed him to go here and to persecute Christians. Bring them back and put them in prison, Paul. And so he says, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. Now, this is the middle of the day. If you're in the middle of the day, I don't know about you, but great lights don't usually get greater in the middle of the day. Unless you're from Bremen and it rains all the time. Seven, and I fell to the ground... When you meet Jesus, life starts to change. And I fell to the ground. And I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I was so bent on uh, pleasing people, I answered, who are you, Lord? <laughs> and he said to me, I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now, those who are with me, they saw the light, but they didn't understand. See, it's interesting Some people will believe in God and understand his existence but not have a relationship with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I'll talk to people all the time and they say, I believe in God. Yeah, 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 so do the demons. So what separates the demons from populating hell to us populating heaven? And that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, what he's saying is there were people who are around me who legalistically followed the fact of a belief in God but didn't have a relationship with the risen Christ. And Paul says, I'm about to go into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Those who are with me saw the light, but they didn't understand it. Those people in your life are going to see you make decisions and they're not going to understand it. You're going to have trials and tribulations in this life and you're going to respond to them in a way that people would say, don't respond to them that way. And they're not going to understand it. You you tracking? You're going to go into situations this week, and you're going to think to yourself, I know what I'm supposed to do, but people are going to respond not that way. And James says, anyone who knows the right thing to do but does not do it, it is a sin. So if you go and you please people instead of pleasing God, it is a sin. Now those who are with me saw the light but didn't understand it. And the voice from the one who was speaking to me Uh, And I said, I love this, okay, I believe you're real. Here's a question on the table. What do I do? (laughs) What do I do? And the Lord said to me, I want you to rise, get off your knees. I want you to go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. Okay. And since I could not see, blinded by the light, in my Bible. I was led by the hand by those who were near with me and came to Damascus. Now, can you imagine the conversation that took place there? Have you had these conversations with people in your life? Have you been there? Trying to explain Jesus to somebody who doesn't understand Jesus? Hey, so get this. I'm going to give 10% of my money to the church. Are you out your mind crazy? That's your money. Yeah, I know, but we do it because... The deacons say so. Pastor Jordan said I didn't have to do it, but the deacons do. <clears throat> have you ever tried to have a conversation with people who don't know Jesus and don't understand why you do what you do? I'm going to get up on church. I'm going to get up on Sunday. I'm going to go to church. I'm not going to go to the baseball fields. I'm not going to go to the soccer fields. I'm going to go to church. Why? Don't you realize that if your son plays professional baseball, he could take care of you for the rest of your life? Have you met my son? (laughs) What about the person at your job that you look at and you know that you can get that that little advance, but you choose not to and everybody knows? What about you who are stay-at-home moms? And you choose to go home at 7.30 to put your kids to bed because they need a bedtime instead of stay out late. What about you moms who try to talk to your friends about why you do devotions in the morning and in the evening with your kids and you read them this book that they can't understand? Have you ever been there? And we've been there. But I'd rather please God than please people because His Holiness is more important than my happiness. That's where my joy comes from. I can imagine this conversation. They're on their way to Damascus, and they're like, Paul, you sure? You sure, bro? Yeah, positive. And here's the greatest part. Watch it. The greatest part happens in verse 12. Just when you're at your end of your rope... And just when you think you can't go on any further because you're going on alone and you're trying to tell people about how this Jesus has changed your life, here comes some rescue. There was one man, he was there. His name was Ananias. Ananias was a devout man according to the law. He was well spoken of by the Jews who lived there. He was well spoken of of you people is essentially what Paul is saying. And he came to me and he stood by me and he said to me, Brother Saul... He viewed me, like, he viewed me like, he was one, like I was one of His own. Brother Saul, receive your sight, first miracle. And I received my sight and I saw. Now the Bible doesn't say it, but I think Ananias looked at him and said, that's Jesus, not me. That's Jesus. 14, and he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know His will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from His mouth, and you will be his witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. So why wait? Rise and be baptized, and wash away your sins and call upon his name. Isn't that amazing? Paul's at, like, distress. It feels like everybody's abandoning him and questioning him. It still feels like that because he has a crowd that is sitting right in front of him, persecuting him. And he says, and here comes Ananias, And then I was like, no man, receive your sight and go do what God wants you to do. What does God require of me to do? Two things. God requires of us, if we know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, to do two things. Evangelize, share your faith. Why? Sharing your faith not only gives the opportunity for somebody else to come to a relationship with Jesus, but it encourages you to know that you need Jesus as well. I was watching TV the other day. I don't know why. Still start to question why I watch TV. Commercials are so long. I just want to watch a hockey game, and it's commercial city, right? And here's what I noticed. You ready for this? They play the same commercial over and over and over and over and over and over again. I don't need to see Peyton Manning stand there talking about Nationwide is on my side. I don't even have Nationwide. <laughs> I'm dumbfounded. I don't even like the Colts. Uh, get over it. <laughs> Everything you just said, totally invalid. I bet she doesn't like Notre Dame either. I don't. <clears throat> we can be friends. <laughs> and so after about like 20 minutes of this, right, started to see the light. Oh, people need to hear things over and over and over and over and over and over and over again if you can watch the same commercial 75 times how many times do we need to articulate the gospel if I can see the same thing over and over again and the world understands it why do we as believers fail to understand it every day I should be articulating to somebody the gospel of Jesus Christ that I have received every day hey, Bob, you want to know about Jesus? You told me about Jesus yesterday. Yeah, I'm going to tell you about him again today. Because you get the opportunity when that happens to trust Jesus Christ, and I get the opportunity to be affirmed of my relationship with Jesus Christ. And tell people, hey, I'm just working on my testimony. Pastor Jordan told me I needed to. You need to get better at talking to people instead of doing this. Hey, is there any way that I can share with you the Jesus that I know? And I'm going to stumble through it. You exist for two reasons. To evangelize and to edify, to build up the body of believers. That is encouragement. That's why we come here every Sunday. That's why we gather at coffee shops and we talk about Jesus and the new Bible study that we've been doing, right? That's why we uh, spend time with one another, because it's encouraging. I need that encouragement over and over again. I need the Ananiases in my life, don't I? I need the people who are going to come beside me. And I just want you to think about this, just just for a moment. Who's the person you encouraged this past week? Who is it? Who's the one person that you're going to encourage next week? You know, it's amazing to me how many times we'll go through the day. And I'll just think to myself, man, I I really live for myself today. I didn't live for anybody else. I looked at uh, uh, one of our our, our elders this morning. We were spending time in prayer at 9 o'clock. And uh, I said, you know, sometimes people just need to know that you know, right? Sometimes people just need to know that you know what's going on. They just need to be affirmed that, hey, man, God's working. See, the second miracle that happens with Ananias and Paul is he affirms his call. And we never know who's going to affirm our call. And it doesn't matter your age, you could be seven or 70. You can do those two things, you do them effectively. You will understand what it means to be holy over being happy. If you do those two things every single day, you will understand what it means to be holy over happy. That's my whole prayer for you. That's my whole prayer for our church that we make Jesus Christ known both near and far. Evangelizing, sharing our faith with those who are lost, edifying, building each other up, regardless of the cost, regardless of what it costs us. Because it's not going to be popular but it's always going to be worth it. Let me pray for you. Uh, Lord Jesus, I just thank you. Um, What a great time it was today to be a part of your church. So many lessons today, so many things that we learned, so many ways that we're encouraged. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. There's a little blue note card in the pews. Nothing in Scripture says that you have to close your eyes to pray. We just do it so we can concentrate. But if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I would encourage you to just pick up that little blue card, that little blue bookmark. Very simple question that's on there. The good news and it's the bad news. The bad news is that you're a sinner. The wages of that sin is death. The good news is Jesus died on the cross for your sins. There's evidence for his existence but there's also evidence that he is the Messiah. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, accept the good news. The Bible tells us that you'll be saved. You've never made that decision to follow Jesus Christ. I would encourage you to do that today. Oh, but so many of us have. And I don't know who your crowd is. I don't know what you're facing. And I don't even know if it's, a crowd, or maybe it's just one or two people in your circle. Maybe it's just a couple people that are pushing against you and trying to get you to do things that you don't want to do or need to do or that God would not be honored and glorified to do. And maybe, just maybe, the biggest person that you're fighting against right now is yourself. I know that's my big struggle. It's it's me. And I would encourage us as a church today to remember believer that Jesus Christ is on the throne that he is not dead he is risen he is risen indeed that just because the Easter season is over doesn't mean the believer season is that he is fighting battles for you and his desire for you is that you would know the gospel and that you would say it to yourself and to others every single day. That you would beg and plead, and God, we do today. Make us holy, regardless of the situations that are in our life, regardless of the circumstances that are around us. God, we pray and we plead that you would help us to pursue holiness over happiness. So important. Lord Jesus, help us to build up one another in the body. Help us to remember how important it is for us to encourage. May we be in this world, but not of it. May we be men and women who long for you and a relationship with you and may it change us. And may we go out and send us to do your will and your work. May the May the world be dumbfounded this week because of us. May they be confused until they accept you. God, hear our prayer today. In your name, amen. Hey, what a great Sunday. Yeah, amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church Podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, Simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.